Welcome to Beautiful Work, Beautiful Life, the podcast. I'm Laurel Holland, and you'll be joining me with my co-hosts and guests as we dive into how doing your inner work, or the beautiful work, is the amazingly effective pathway to creating the life of your dreams. We hope you discover your passions, your purpose, and your fulfillment, because when you change, the world changes. And when you do your inner work or the beautiful work, you make the world a more beautiful place for all of us. Welcome back to Beautiful Work, Beautiful Life, the podcast. I have Laurel back in the house with me today. Hi, Laurel. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? I'm well. I am so happy to be back. Oh, me too. I just just couldn't wait to have our next conversation. I was um, thinking about how, you know, say I have you back in the house and I feel like (laughs) Zoom has become like the new virtual house, right? Like if you're in my Zoom room, you're in my home almost these days. <laughs> it has become so comfortable and what a gift I that know. we can be together in this way. I know, I know. I feel like for anyone who doesn't like the virtual stuff or hasn't wanted to try FaceTime or any of those things that are available, you know, I think during this COVID period that we've been in, where we've all been so much removed from one another and our loved ones, we can see it as the gift it can be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It it has been that for me. It it has made me feel connected to so many people around the world and locally that I may not have spent time with in the last year. I know. So true. So true. And today's topic is kind of related to what we're talking about, I would say a little bit, which is using your voice. And, um, you know, I think that when we're on Zoom, sometimes, you know, we uh, really, if you shut down the, the, the video part, you know, and anybody who's listening to our podcast, obviously is listening to our voice, right? Our voices are powerful, powerful part of who we are. It's really, I think, where our essential power resides, ultimately, um, to influence people anyway. How about you, Laurel? Oh, I agree completely. And often I think about how we use our voice or how we're trained not to use our voice and how much that influences who we are as adults. I know. Wow. It's, It's a skill that we have to learn. I have had to learn at least. It's been a lifelong journey for me to use my voice. I know, um, you know, when I came into the world, my mom, my mom told me this story. I love the story that she used to tell me about um, when I was a little girl. And so we, I was one, a family of five, second in line. And we had a neighbor next door who my mom got to be pretty good friends with. She was kind of her go-to gal when she needed help or whatever. And Barbara said to my mom one day, my mom said, oh, I worry about Laurel. She's so quiet. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know how to get to her. And Barbara said, I wouldn't worry about her. And I think she's going to be your comfort someday. And I think that, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, that quietness, you know, early on, I was a very quiet child, but I was taking everything in. I did the same. You and, did. Uh, yes. And. I'm also the second of five. Uh, oh. 
And one of my earliest memories is hiding behind my mom's legs when a neighbor came over to talk with us or talk to her. And, um, and really, you know, I, I didn't grow up thinking I was shy, but I know that I held my voice or spoke in soft ways um, and was really cautious about how I was speaking for a long time. Um, and it is so incredible because now, you know, I'm not sure that I really am an introvert, but it is that, that uh, careful use of voice and consideration of other people yeah. that has always been so strong for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that partly has to go to, and, and this I would say is if you're listening today, if you are a highly sensitive person, highly conscious person that oftentimes, you know, when we are taking a lot in and we're, we're really aware, especially of other people's feelings, we are very careful with our voice. And sometimes that does make us quiet, you know, in our younger years. Um, if we're not being responded to in the way that really is supportive, I think. And we develop those yeah, and then stay with them, right? Like you talked about, I think, and that's what I really want to get into. I think we really want to dig into that part of the conversation is, you know, these patterns of using our voice are developed usually early on in life and can be the ones that we repeat over and over again until we learn how to do it the way we really want to do it. Right. And the way that feels comfortable for us. Yeah. Right. Rather than doing it in a way that we think other people want us to, or we're told to do, to speak, to, to um, speak up for ourselves. We're often told how to do that and when to do that. Yeah. So it really does take some practice. And I think some maturity and confidence to be able to know and rely on your, your own inner knowing when and how to use your voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that relying on your inner knowing of how to, when, and how to use your voice, that is a big part of it. And it's the part that oftentimes get, gets shut down early on. Even, you know, sometimes it's shut down by other people. Sometimes we shut it down ourselves because we recognize it's not a safe environment. So that's really, so the first, the first thing that we really want to dig into too, is this idea of having a safe environment to use your voice in a, in a, in a more, comfortable and vulnerable way. Right? Yeah, that's essential. And where where have you found that safe space? Oh, man, that was, you know, I think that's one of the when I think back to my coming into my voice journey, the early places were really those group settings, you know, the adult child of alcoholics meetings, where we were sitting in group and everybody all spoke one at a time, you weren't interrupted. Um, and then I was in a group model for years and did many, many groups. And I use this model all the time. And it's the same thing. No one interrupts one another. There's no cross talking. There's no feedback even given in this kind of group process so that you really learn to grow into the comfort and steadiness of your own voice and understanding that whatever you're speaking into is simply your truth, not anybody else's truth, just your truth. And, and finding the places where people can just allow that and mm. support you in that, you know, it's been so vital to me. That sounds like an incredible process. Yeah. Yeah. Been so, so life affirming and changing mm. to me. How about you? Where have there been the places for you? You know, I think that for me, it's always been in my, I'll say a very small tight knit group of, of female friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, um, and it's so incredible. I have um, 
five friends, six maybe, that I have had since kindergarten, first grade, oh, wow. my entire life. And there's uh, three of them that we still go out to dinner about once a month. That's and, amazing, Laurel. And I can tell them anything and they see me and they hear me. And it is so special because we're all very different. You know, if they were my coworkers, I wouldn't have that sense of trust with them, but they're my safe space because they've seen me grow and change and become through my whole life. Um, Yeah. It's been wonderful. What a gift. What a beautiful gift. I think my, my um, girlfriends that I could really speak to honestly came later in life. And, um, and so I think that's why those group settings were so powerful for me because I don't feel like, I think I had some good friends. I had one good girlfriend um, in high school. She was my first girl, good girlfriend, like where the, I could really talk very openly to, but that was like 13 or 14. And a lot of those patterns had already been set in me mm-hmm. of being quiet, keeping to myself, not sure what I was saying was gonna be received well. And because I, I didn't, I, I wasn't like a fluff talker, you know, like I didn't yeah. say superficial things. I usually just said like, you know, to my parents, like, why are you together? <laughs> like, that's not a, you know, that's not a kid question for a parent. <laughs> that's like, uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to right. talk about that. Right. You are a truth seeker in your, in your the use of your voice. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 So this idea of practicing, you know, in places that are safe is so important for anybody that's listening. If you don't feel like you have a place where you can really speak your full truth, you know, you really want to look at those relationships and wonder what's missing in them. That would be kind of a place where you could begin to do some, some self-reflection work, you know, around, um, you know, what you want maybe in the relationship that you're not getting, because that will help you go forward too and identify how to, how to develop relationships that will allow you to speak into your full truth and your full voice. Right. It will. And um, a couple of things that come to mind for me are, you know, even if you don't have that that safe space, the journaling process, the writing, yes. writing and getting rid of your writing if you don't trust that you want that to be found. Right. But yes. using your voice on paper mm-hmm. with pen um, is such a powerful exercise to really get your feelings and thoughts out. Um, And then the other thing that comes to mind is some of the practice even before finding a safe space is creating a safe space within you. Do you trust yourself enough to own your your words, your thoughts, your feelings and and know that you're worthy of having those thoughts and feelings? Um, Because I think that's part of why especially when we're younger, we tend to hold our voice because we're not sure if we should have those thoughts or feelings. At least for me, it was being worthy of, of my own inner truth. Yeah. Well, I I think you've hit on something really important. You know, I think I want to repeat what you said just to make sure our listeners really get that, which was, do you trust yourself enough? to own your own truth and your own words that you really want to say, right? Yeah. And how important that is. I know that when I'm, I work a lot with clients on this trust issue and the, 
and trusting ourselves is the bottom line in terms of the really deep work, right? In terms of getting to the place where you can honestly and comfortably and confidently take one step after another and go forward and trust yourself to do the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing. And, and to get there is, is quite the journey, isn't it? It is so important. Absolutely. And, you know, when I think about my own journey doing that, it's scary. Mm -hmm. Um, It's oftentimes, you know, pretty isolating because you don't, uh, for me, I didn't have a, that, a, you know, circle to really help me navigate that work, yeah. um, which is why my my girlfriends from childhood, they've become such a resource for me. You know, they they can see and be witness to what I'm living and what the work I'm doing, even if I'm not bringing it up. But when I bring it up, they are there to hold me in that space. Um, and so it is, it's a little bit of, you know, solitude inner work, and then creating the environment for once that you do trust yourself, I think, bringing it out into the open. Yeah, yeah. And getting comfortable with that and doing it well. I think one of the one of the ways that we begin to build trust with self is in our actions, taking actions that we feel good about, and using a tone of voice that we feel good about using words that we feel good about, right? Like when we are are using our voice in ways that we don't feel good about, that is not going to build trust with ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also um, often tell, talk to my clients about, you know, that act of self, um, self or loving self-kindness, right? Um, and giving yourself the grace to change your mind. Right. You know, so building trust doesn't mean you have to make a decision and live with that the rest of your life. It means for me, at least, that you make a decision. And when that decision no longer feels like a good fit, you trust yourself to change it. Yeah. And move on from it. Yeah. Um, It's incredible. I think we could do an entire um, podcast on self-trust. Absolutely. And they're probably out there. If everybody needs to really work on self-trust, go, go check out some more podcasts on self-trust. I'm sure they're there. And I don't think we can hear enough of this topic. I was thinking about, um, you know, this idea of, I was listening to some, some podcast, and we might've already mentioned this in another podcast of, uh, somebody who had come from the Far East and they were talking about, it was one of the, one of the leaders in, in kind of self-help world today, who is from the Far East. And they were talking about when they first came to America and started speaking to groups, they were trying to identify this condition that they were seeing again and again with people as they were interacting. And they couldn't figure out exactly what it was. And over time, what they realized was the term was self-loathing and they had no idea what it was because it didn't exist in their culture. Nobody was into self-loathing. And for us here in America, unfortunately, for many reasons, I'm sure that we could get into another podcast, is this idea of we we have developed patterns, many of us have developed patterns or, or lived in families who have patterns where we 
don't like ourselves. We don't like the way we look. We don't like the way we talk. We don't like the way we um, interact in the world. We don't like the way we treat each other. And they just, the, these patterns get perpetuated. And so, you know, for those of us that are highly sensitive, conscious people, we, it's up to us, right, to do the work inside to change those patterns and to begin to develop that self-love and self-trust comes probably well before self-love. I think so too. And it says, you know, it's a practice that um, I often think about just keeping your word to yourself Mm -hmm. and if, and knowing for me, you know, if I can't keep my word, what are the reasons that I think that whatever I told myself I do is important, right? What's my driver? What's, what, what's the root of why I think I need to do that? Um, Because it's sometimes hard to keep your word to yourself um, when you're making decisions for other people, right? So pulling it all back in to, you know, that inner, inner work and the inner knowing why. Um, And it is so interesting when you think about how we in our culture use our voice and even the even gender dynamics of how we use our voice and and in the workplace in families you know sometimes women use their voice very different than men mm-hmm. um and sometimes i think we're expected to behave and have certain opinions um mm-hmm. and other people put those expectations on us yeah, so yeah. knowing yourself is the best thing you can do i think and in, in um trying to Um, become practiced at using your voice. Yeah. Yeah. And also I know one of the things for me that was really um, a a game changer too, was having um, new words and new ways to respond when I was trying to change something. So for instance, I'd love to use the example of when I was in my people pleasing phase and I couldn't say no to people. I was always saying, yes, oh, sure. I'll do that. I'll do that. I can do that. I can do that. And then maybe I'd back out later and I'd feel badly and guilty. I realized I, I just, I couldn't jump right into no. I couldn't go from saying yes all the time to suddenly saying no. And I didn't know how to do it in a way that felt good, right? So my transition phrase was, let me think about that and I'll get back to you. Because I couldn't just go from yes to no. So we need we need to think about like, what is the answer that we we can give that will help us get to, you know, where we wanna get to eventually or use, you know, develop the language that maybe we don't even have yet. You know, it's so interesting that you say, talk about that. I did that in my job and, in, in, you know, in, in that corporate world where I, I had a hard time saying no. So I always had too much work to do and my stress level was extremely high. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a company that I was the only person that did what I did. Um, and so I got to the point where I would, the phrase I would say is, I'd be happy to do that for you. Um, I can make that a priority three days from now, a week from now, what I gave them this future date and what it did very quickly eliminated anything that was urgent that they should be doing themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it was the same type of thing. What language do you have? If you can't say no, you know, how, how do you create language around that soft no to protect yourself from people pleasing more than you should? 
Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, you know, this is the way that we begin to get really good at boundary work, you know, this bit by bit. Boundaries, you know, uh, to me, boundary work is so important because it, it really sets us up for our entire life experience, right? If we have the right boundaries, we've got a great life. Mm. Um, and so our, the right boundaries are what's really bright and true for our authentic self, which is our next topic on our next podcast. Um, but for now, you know, just coming back to how do we use our voice well to begin to create those new boundaries that begin to develop this better life, this more satisfying life, this life that feels more aligned with who we really are, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's- and how, and how do you speak your truth with, with people that maybe aren't ready to hear your truth, right? The saying no is a great example. You know, your truth may have been, I need to say no to this. This doesn't feel right for me, but not wanting to disappoint other people. Um, So some of the practices that I often encourage with my clients who need just practice hearing their own voice. um, One of the really fun ways is singing out loud, singing out loud. Mm -hmm. You know, I often say, pull up a song that was from the, year or time in your life when you were most confident pull that song that you know all the words Perfect. and sing that song out loud all the time every day as often as you can yeah, um, it's great. and you know and it's so funny because i think we tend to not do that yeah yeah and so also we, being comfortable like i mean i love that that assignment because if you're if you're if it's a time and you're connected to feeling confident in your body it's a way to get connected with that feeling while using your voice right so putting those two things together are so important because a lot of times we're not using our voice because we're afraid yeah and that feeling you know just that physical feeling of fear or you know worry about what other people think i think can actually block our voice from an energetic perspective yeah so being able to free that up um it is a it's fun you know it's similar to what you might do with a vision board but using your voice right Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's great um so that kind of brings me to um the the next idea that we want to make sure that we get across to our listeners too is this idea of really being centered in your body as you're using your voice that one of the ways that we can develop habits that don't serve us well is when we're speaking from a really mental mind-based brain-based place and we're not well into our body and oftentimes when we're doing that too we we tend to get confused because we aren't in like the fullness of what we're saying. We're more just telling a story. And sometimes it's not even our own story. It's something we might've practiced or we think we're supposed to be saying. And when you're speaking from a deeper place, right? The words just kind of come from a different different energy and a different place within you that also resonate usually more with people than this kind of idea of just coming from your head. Yeah. And it is interesting that, you know, um, our brain knows when we're lying to ourselves, but our body, right? Our body is what tells us, I think, you know, are we, are we aligned with what we're saying? And often, you know, when we talk about things we might want to say, but we're fearful, you know, oftentimes I, I think I let my brain think, you know, is, 
what I want to say coming from the heart? Like, where is it coming from? You know, is it coming from a place of love or a place of fear? And that, um, you know, a place of abundance or a place of lack. And that sometimes grounds me in the most difficult conversations. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And for um, listeners that don't really know what we're talking about, this idea of being deeper in your body or being more centered in your body, it's really the feeling of being connected to your heart space and your belly space or your womb space down in the pelvic area. And the connection comes from literally from your attention of knowing right that you're paying that you can feel that place in your body and if you've been really disconnected and been living in your head for a very long time which i have many clients that come to me and they start here they just can't even get beyond the neck you know they can't even like they're like i don't know what you mean i don't know what you mean and so it's this practice of coming down and just literally imagining yourself paying attention to your heart space you know, if your heart is kind of a, like, I don't know how to pay attention to my heart, just think about the space around your heart and just put your attention down there, right? And then start to go lower from there. Oh, that's incredible. Um, I, I had a lot of training to be a head thinker and have been working on undoing that for, you know, the last decade, I think. Um, and it is so incredible to hear you, you know, describe that and thinking about it. And the heart space, when I first started thinking about that area, I was able to bring my, my focus into my rib cage, knowing that the rib cage is protective of the heart space. Beautiful. And that helped me because I was such a head thinker. Um, and bringing, you know, bringing your, your awareness deep, you know, sometimes I even take it my awareness to my knees and then bring it back up because sometimes accessing that you know the belly space the the root chakra space mm -hmm. your pelvic area sometimes that's really hard to access yeah um yeah. For, yeah. for a lot of reasons and so sometimes focusing below it and above it and and moving your focus up and down helps to access that area for me yeah, that's great. And even I think you you said this in one of our very early podcasts was this idea of coming back, you know, and feeling your feet, feel yeah. your feet, right there. There's your if you if you want to go down, and you're having trouble finding any place to focus on in the trunk of the body, because we're talking about organs and all kinds of stuff that's going on in there in the trunk of the body. It's it can be a confusing place to sort through where am I, but your feet are your feet. We all know where our feet are and we all can feed our, feel our feet on the ground. So absolutely, you know, all the way down to your feet. And then, you know, like you said, come up to knees, right? Yeah. yeah and work your way up. We start at the top. Don't start at the top anymore. Start <laughs> at the bottom. <laughs> and, and you know what I love about that practice? Hmm. Um, for me, it has been, when you think about holding your voice or holding your breath, you know, keeping things inside that we might want to say to the world, um, the blockage is often in your neck space. And if we don't access the lower parts, we never get into the heart space, right? right. That's because right. if we're starting at the head and moving down, things get stuck right here. Yeah. Um, and so I do love that practice. 
It's a beautiful practice. And I, I think, you know, for anyone listening, um, and I'll probably pop this up at some point as a, as a very brief podcast is I have a brief meditation that helps you really go down and get, get down to your feet, get really grounded down low in your body, and then begin to literally let go and relax and, and, and literally, you know, kind of, um, uh, release, release and let go of this constriction and heavy energy that's in the body through the bottom of the feet. And that can be a really powerful exercise. Yeah. Whoops. Okay, Laurel. So we had a little snafu. I don't know if anybody's going to actually hear it, this disruption, but we, for, for those of you listening, we just had a bit of a timeout, Laurel and I, because we had a little down time in our zoom experience. So now we're up and running again. And we just finished talking about getting centered, you know, really like that whole idea I was talking about, um, as we were talking about how to get lower centered into your body, I was talking about really, you know, focusing and learning how to release down and out through your feet, and how much that helps you get really centered, right. So I think, you know, for most of us, it's, it's, a, it's going to be trial and error. I know it was for me over time to learn how to get into my body. I was so much in my head. I didn't know what it was like to breathe into my belly for, I think it took me a good year of paying attention to learning how to practice letting and going and releasing my belly because I was so used to tightening my stomach muscles from all the training that I had of being an aerobics teacher and, uh, be, you know, standing up and sucking in your gut, right? That's the American way. <laughs> yeah, it is hard to, you know, get centered when you're sucking in your gut. <laughs> it really is. And it's even hard to, to breathe fully when you aren't aware of your body. Yeah. I know, I know. And, you know, sucking in your gut does bring your attention down to your abdominal muscles. But what it does at the same time is cause you to constrict and tighten up and not allow yourself to be present fully in your body. If you're constricting, it's like, it's like shutting off the energy of available to you to to experience something. And so every constriction that we have in the body keeps us from being able to really be present in the body. Yeah. And that's so important. Yeah. yeah. What a nice tie with thinking about how we, we constrict our belly, we constrict our breath, we constrict our voice yeah. and, and how learning to tap into those areas in your body and free things up, you know, with practice, you'll learn how to do it. And like you said, it's trial and error. It's trial and error. And I love that you just said, even just that whole idea of constricting our voice, you know, I resonate so strongly with that Laurel, so many years of constricting my voice of not allowing myself to say what I really wanted to say. I was just so afraid of somebody's reaction. You know, I'm such a relationship oriented person um, that that was really hard for me to get comfortable knowing that somebody else might be uncomfortable with what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I I have. Do we have time for a quick story? Yeah, we do. We do. So I, um, one of my most um, life changing stories about holding my voice was during my first marriage, Um, and so my husband was from a family that women did not have a lot of power, 
did not use their voice. And I married into that family. I don't know why, love. Um, but um, I went back to work. My children were small. I went back to work after being home for three, four years. And I worked with primarily men. And I came home from work one day and I said something to my husband. Must have been something I wanted him to do or that needed to happen. And he said to me, who are you talking to? Are you talking to me? And I said, yes, I'm talking to you. And he said, do you talk to people at work like that? And I said, yes, I do. And he said, men? And it was immediate wow. that I knew I had been with him for eight years that I had stopped using my voice in a way that I shouldn't have stopped using it. Um, but it was, it's one of my favorite stories now. And it changed my life in that when I realized that I was not using my voice in my marriage, it changed the way I thought about why I didn't have maybe the power in my marriage that I needed or wanted, or I didn't even have the respect that I needed or wanted mm -hmm. because I wasn't asking for it. Yeah. I, I wasn't letting anyone know that I was worthy of it. Yeah. So um, that was one of my lessons on using my voice. And, um, and in the workplace, sometimes it's easy because you're given the authority to yeah. use your voice. And in our personal relationships, we're the ones who decide if we're worthy to use our voice in our personal relationships. Yeah, so what a powerful story, Laurel, because I think what it hits on too, um, that I think is such a big part of what we have to work on and work through is this idea of we all come in to our, our experiences and our relationships with a set of values, right? And so for some people, they are taught that, you know, women don't speak to men in a certain way, or women aren't allowed to do certain things in the home, or men are only allowed to be, you know, um, strong and, and um, protective and, and gruff, you know, they can't be sensitive. And so it's all this idea of challenging, you know, all these things that we've come into and thought that we were supposed to be or do or how we were supposed to show up challenging them when it comes up against what we authentically want to be and express in ourselves so we have to do this challenging um, work of our conditioning yeah and so often what we want to be is really who we're meant to be yes it's that inner battle of um we think we want something and we're really born to be that person yeah. and we don't let ourselves yeah. So, yeah yeah wow i feel like we're just kind of ready to roll into our next podcast so i feel like we're going to just take a little break here at laurel let's wrap up um our our using our voice and kind of come into a couple more thoughts and then we're going to roll into our next podcast so for our listeners if you're um ready to uh stay with us we're going to be talking next in the next podcast about um your authentic self and your essential self and i think that's what really what we're hitting on is you know how do how do we discover that part of ourselves and and part of it comes through using our voice yeah right yeah it does. you know yeah. they go hand in hand this idea of our voice helps reveal to us our true self in a in a certain kind of way yeah. and our inner voice right not just our external but what is it, what is your inner voice telling you yeah yeah and, yeah and how can we listen to that yeah so laurel what question do you have a question or an invitation for our listeners around using your voice sure i think i think i have an invitation 
And um, that would be, how can you, our listeners, practice using your voice more? Um, maybe journaling, maybe singing, maybe finding your sacred circle of, of trusting friends um, and practice every day using your voice in a new way. Yeah, that's great. That's great. For me, I think what I'm going to ask, what I'm going to send out there as a challenge is to, to take some place in your life where you know you are not using your voice the way you want to and go get a journal even if you don't like journaling or you've never journaled and literally just sit there and write in an unedited way this has to be totally like uh, you can tear it up afterwards you can write it on the computer destroy your file you can take it and burn it if you feel like you have to um, but literally let the thoughts come fully forth that are being held back and begin to just let yourself see it fully um, because I think, you know, this idea of telling ourselves the truth first is really important before we um, go out and blurt it out there, you know, <laughs> the way we might want to. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the safe way to do it. You know, I think is to look at your own truth and sort through, you know, what's the right way to approach it and right, the right way to say it outside yourself. And first, it's just to see it first fully for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Let it begin to unravel because oftentimes that constriction can be a bit of an unwinding process, right? It that doesn't is. always come out in one little burst. It does. It's not, sometimes it comes out in a burst, but sometimes <laughs> it's hard to come out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Laurel, thanks for exploring this topic with me. I loved our conversation today. I thought, even though it got interrupted by Zoom, it was a super powerful conversation. And one that I think, you know, our listeners, I hope are inspired to really begin to get in there and dig in and, and start to use their voice in new and, and exciting ways for them to, to begin to develop a new kind of life around your voice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. Well, thank yeah. you. And I look forward to our next conversation. Yeah, me too. I'll see you real soon. Thanks Laurel. Thank you for joining us here at beautiful work, beautiful life, the podcast. We welcome questions from you, our listeners. Feel free to send one along. If you enjoyed the podcast, the best compliment we receive is when you share the podcast with a friend. Thanks for being with us to elevate the conversation and open up new pathways for all of us.